righty, Psalm 23. We're going to start tonight, Psalm 23. Micah, come on up here. Help me out, would you? Micah's got some handouts here if you want one. Just uh, raise your hand. He'll give you one. Give you some notes to take tonight as we get started. I'm glad Jonathan's here, and I'm glad that when Jonathan's not here that Sam is here. I, I can sing, but I sing best in the shower, not in front of people. Notice there's always more energy for singing on Sunday night, and I think it's because you were in the Lord's house during the day this morning. And I appreciate that fine singing and the help we get in the music department, not on the piano playing, but also the song leading and the singing as well. <coughs> Psalm 23, and uh, I just want to go to verse number 5. Psalm 23. And verse number five. <laughs> Tonight I want to be talking to you about fervency. Fervent things. By the way, when we were in Bible college, they said, you, as a preacher, you should stay away from the word things. Because things is kind of shallow. So, uh. Fervent characteristics. How does that sound? Does that make me more intelligent? But uh, just some principles here about fervency. One of the songs that that I have learned since I've been here, and I, I'm not going to sing it for you. Don't panic or run off. But one of the songs that I know Pastor Yoder likes to select, and a song that he likes to have us sing, so that song will preach to us, because he sings it quite a bit. And uh, in your hymn book, you don't have to turn there, but uh, I think it's on page 401, and it's called Set My Soul Afire. And I got to thinking about this song, and I thought, this is a good song to go with fervency. So uh, let me read it for you. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let your voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day and hour. I will be your witness, filled with thy power. Set my soul afire, Lord, for the lost in sin. Give to me a passion as I seek to win. Help me not to falter, never let me fail. Fill me with thy spirit, let thy will prevail. And then verse 3, set my soul afire, Lord, in my daily life. Far too long I've wondered in this day of strife. Nothing else will matter but to live for thee. I will be your witness as you live in me. And then the chorus, set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. I asked my favorite college professor one time to give me a definition of Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fullness. <clears throat> because I know that the more you study the Word of God, the Word really teaches us how to work. But uh, the Holy Spirit teaches us how to live. And the Holy Spirit helps us to live with the right attitude towards everybody, including our enemies. And I think it's so interesting that this particular professor said, 
the best definition I can give of the Holy Spirit is found in Psalm 23 in verse number 5. And it's that last phrase in verse number 5. Now the whole verse reads like this. We know that verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. That's Holy Spirit fullness, when your cup runs over. And I think that cup running over is a good definition of fervency. That cup running over is a good way for you and I to understand how it is to be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, in order for our cups to run over with the Holy Spirit, we have to empty our cups first of ourselves. We have to get rid of everything selfish so that he can fill us with himself. And then when we get to the top of the brim and start flowing over, that's when we just bubble over with fervency and with Holy Spirit power. And that's when the world looks at us and says, man, those people are different. They have a love for the Lord like I've never seen before. Fervency is our subject for tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I'd be the first to confess that I need this message as much as anybody. We fail to be fervent about your business. And Lord, we fail too often. And uh, many times it's just a matter of us pulling away from you. Your word teaches that if we would draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us. So Lord, as we go into the week this week, help us to seek your word. Help us to seek time and prayer. Help us to be disciplined disciples for thee. And help us, Lord, to live in such a way that others will see Christ in us. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of meeting here tonight. We trust your Holy Spirit would help us with this short little word study about this big, powerful word. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> okay, I want to start with a definition of fervency. If you were to go to a dictionary, the, the word fervency or fervent is only mentioned eight times in your New Testament. But what's interesting is I don't believe it's in the Old Testament at all. Definition here, the first definition you'll get if, uh, if you just go to any dictionary is to boil. Is, is to boil. When ladies are cooking on the stove, they have to bring things to a fervent heat. They have to boil the goods before they can can them. That's a definition of fervency. Fervent means to be fervent. Don't you love it when the dictionary defines a word with, a, with, the, with the same word? What does that tell us? To be fervent. Well, not only does it mean to boil and to be fervent, but it also means to be hot. And what does Jesus say in Revelation about you and I being hot-blooded and not lukewarm? Because if we're lukewarm, he'll spew us out of his mouth. So we want to be hot-blooded for the Lord. But this definition, the last one, is the one you can probably appreciate the most because it's really the easiest to understand. And that's the definition of being zealous, to being zealous. We are taught in the New Testament that we are sometimes tagged as zealot Christians, which means we are fervent in our Christianity and we have fervency. Now tonight we're going to look at four key areas of fervency, and I'm going to have you help me as we look up these verses. But another song that we sing sometimes is the song, In Times Like These, We Need a Savior. 
Well, I want to challenge you tonight that in times like these, we need fervency. Because the devil knows that his time is short. I hope you realize his time is short. And the Lord is coming soon. After church this morning, I talked to several people about where they fit on that yardstick calendar. You remember that illustration from this morning about the yardstick? 72 half-inch spaces makes a yardstick, 36 inches. And a couple of the people said, I'm way beyond the yardstick. And one of them just called me. He said, you're just a young boy. He says, I'm long past the yardstick. But most of us that are past 65, we realize that the normal life for us is five more years, 65 to 70. And anything after 70, we have to pay double for because it's expensive and it's difficult. And so if you're already after 70, you're probably like me thinking, any day, Lord, any day, Lord. Like Jim said earlier, when they pick me up in the ambulance, you know, <laughs> don't worry about that. I'm more scared of the hospitals than I am of heaven. That's just me. But uh, ready to go. And it could be at any time. And I think it's important that we realize that in these last days, the Lord is looking for people that have fervency in their life. Let's look at some of the references and see if you can get some help. The first thing we see about this uh, area of fervency is a fervent spirit. A fervent spirit. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11, okay? Romans 12 and verse 11. The Bible says we are not to be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. So Paul understood the importance of fervency. And then over in Acts, or back to Acts, I should say, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 25. Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 5. Now, I know some of you use your smartphones, so you'll probably get there a week before the rest of us. But for you that are in old school days and like to flip your Bible pages, you need to look at these verses because I think they're very important and beneficial for tonight. Verse number 24 of Acts chapter 18, it says there was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. He was an eloquent man. He was mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. Being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now, we need to have a fervent spirit. And I don't know if you know somebody who fits that bill for you. I don't know if you know a Christian who has a fervent spirit. But I usually like to think of evangelists having fervency. This past week, we had Joel Haynes here, missionary to the Navajo Indians. His preaching was full of fervency, amen? I mean, it was hot. It was zealous. It was fervid, if I could say that. And he brought his, he brought his voice to a boil. To be honest, after Sunday morning Sunday school, I didn't know how in the world he could keep his voice through four messages like that. If I talked like that for one message, I wouldn't be able to talk for six months. But he had fervency. <coughs> I remember just a few years after I was saved, I had really never heard an evangelist with power and with energy speak. And we invited a young evangelist by the name of Timmy Rutherford. 
Anybody ever hear of Tim Rutherford? I should ask Pastor if he's tried to find him and bring him here if he's still alive. But Timmy Rutherford was a singing evangelist. And Timmy came to our little church up in Thief River Falls. We probably had less people in the service than we have tonight. And Timmy has a huge, big, booming, dynamic bass voice. And he got over to our little piano. And he wasn't a piano player like you, Elaine. He was, he was a plunker. You know what I mean when I plunker? He would, he would plunk on the keyboard. But he began to plunk. And he sang that song. Oh, help me out here, Lynn. I'm trying to think of the name of that song. Ship Ahoy. Ship Ahoy. How many of you know the song Ship Ahoy? This guy took the roof off that building singing Ship Ahoy. I have never in my whole life, I haven't even heard an opera singer sing so well as he sang. Now, I'm a baby Christian, a year or two old. And I just sat there and I just shook my head and I said, I can't believe this fellow. He has such a fervent spirit. He has such a hot testimony for the Lord in his music. Skip the preaching. I just wanted him to sing. I just wanted him to sing for a couple hours. But that was so impressive to me. Because number one, I wasn't used to seeing male piano players. Most piano players I've known and have known over the years have been ladies. And this is the first male piano player that I'd ever heard. And I'd never heard anybody be so excited about singing in church. He sang with fervency, and I so appreciated that. He was one of the first men to impress me with his fervent spirit. I see the same thing in Dwight Smith when he preaches. I see the same thing in Paul Crow and others when they preach. And i got to be honest with you, when I'm sitting out there in the crowd, I wish I had some of that. I really wish I did, because I know a lot of people that need to be preached to. So a fervent spirit is one of the first ones we see in this area. A second one is a fervent prayer life. A fervent prayer life. If you go to James in chapter 5 and look at verse 16. James chapter 5 and verse number 16. Really, this segment in James James chapter 5, the the whole context is one of prayer. In verse 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And then verse 16, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. Then look at the end of verse 16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <coughs> and then it goes on and gives the example for us of Elijah praying and praying down rain. And I think it's important that you and I see that our prayer life is one filled with fervency. James 5 and verse 16. Now let's look at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. So back the truck up, find Colossians chapter 4. And look at verse number 12. 
verse 11 says, and Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epiphus, that's a hard word to say if you don't say it regularly, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently, fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. A fervent prayer life. Do you know anybody? Who is your favorite prayer warrior? We had a friend in Bemidji, Minnesota that we had led to the Lord. Long story short, him and I drove school bus for the public school system. We were both lost at the time. I got a job up on the Iron Range, went to the Iron Range and trusted the Lord, became a Christian. I came back to witness to my friend Junior who was a welder and a bus driver. And uh, I remember the night vividly because a friend of mine, Jim, him and I were going out soul winning. And I asked Jim, I said, I said, I got to pick the last person to talk to, so it's your turn. Who, we, who are we going to see tonight? And Jim said, I want to go see Junior the welder. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that he might be talking about my friend, Junior Bertram. Now you got to realize that before we were saved, we did a lot of foolish things together. That's all I'll say about that. So I said to Jim, I said, Jim, is this, is, is this Junior Bertram, is, is he a welder by chance? Yep. I said, does he drive school bus by chance? Yep. And I thought to myself, oh my, I've got a witness to one of my friends from my lost life. And uh, Jim brought us over to his house. I knocked on the door of Junior's house and I said, Junior, we're here to talk to you about life assurance. Now, if you say assurance and you're trying to trick somebody like I was, it sounds like insurance. So to him, he thought I said life insurance, but it was really life assurance. And so he said, he said, Mike, he says, I don't need life insurance. I got plenty of it. And I said, Junior, I'm not talking about life insurance. I'm talking about life assurance. Can we come in and talk to you about the Lord? And he said, sure, come on in. Well, we went in there and talked to him about the Lord and the Lord had prepared his heart. He just lost his mom to a brain tumor. So he had that connection and uh, he had just been going through a lot of trials in his business. The Lord had prepared the ground for Junior Bertram. And uh, I said, Junior, you know, it's free. It's a free gift of God's grace for you to trust him. Would you like to trust him tonight? And Junior said, yes, I would. But you know, Junior was gifted at praying for people. As soon as he got saved, he started praying. He pulled his kids out of the Catholic parochial school he sold all the drums and all the equipment for his band. He got out of his band. He started coming to our church. Because he had a Catholic background, he was already used to being faithful. I didn't have to teach him to come to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. He wanted to do it all right from the very start. And I think one of the reasons the Lord blessed his life so much is that he was a fervent prayer warrior. He had a fervent prayer life. He couldn't preach. To my knowledge, I don't know that he ever taught a Sunday school class, but he was an example to me because he had a fervency in his prayer life. His prayers were so tender, so sweet, and so powerful, it was just fun to pray with him. He had a fervent prayer life. 
you know somebody? I hope it's you that develops a fervent prayer life. So we need a fervent spirit, a fervent prayer life. Let's look at the third one here. A fervent mind. This is referenced in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 7. You probably need to pick up here starting in verse number 5 so we can get the context and the pretext here. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were, fear, were fightings and within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, and your fervent mind towards me. Paul speaking of others here and how much they cared for him. Your fervent mind towards me so that I rejoice the more. And I think Paul, if anybody, had the mind of Christ. And we are taught in the New Testament to let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I, I deal harshly with intellectual people because I feel sorry for them for one reason. Secondly is because they worship their intellect. Rather than worshiping the God of the Bible and the God of creation, they began to worship their own intelligence. And that presents a barrier. And it's very difficult to reach them sometimes. But intellect is important. It's important that we be strong, solid thinking Christians. We should not be um, naive about our faith. The Bible teaches us more than once not to be ignorant. So we need some intellect, but we need to keep Christ at the top and we need to develop a mind after Christ like Paul did. Do you realize from the last verse in John 21, if you go to the last, this is kind of on the side here, but go to the last chapter of John in the very last verse and think about this for a moment if you would. John chapter 21 excuse me, in verse number 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Now, you'll never tire of learning about Jesus. You'll never tire of letting his mind be in you. There's an ocean of things he wants to share with us through the ministry of the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is we have to have a, a mind to go after some of that. We have to have a, a longing for truth and a longing for Bible study. And it, I hope church is something that you warm up to. And I hope church is not something that wears you out. Now the things of the week wear me out. You know, I get worn out shoveling snow. I get worn out having to drive too many miles. I get worn out sometimes just getting up and getting going. But church never wears me out. If I were living in Brookings and I was not serving here as an assistant pastor, I would still try to be at every single service because I am hungry to learn God's word. I am anxious to develop the mind of Christ. And I realize that I could sit under Bible teachers and professors all day long and never exhaust all that the Lord wants to teach me. 
I think our time here on planet Earth is a preparation for our time in heaven. And I think the more we learn down here, our status will be different in heaven. Now that's another sermon for another day, but I hope you have a fervent mind after the things of the Lord. I hope you have a fervent mind for your pastor and how he serves and how he sacrifices to be here. And I hope you have a fervent mind towards one another. And I hope you have a fervency towards learning God's truth so you can have the mind of Christ in you. So we do need to have, to be effective, a fervent spirit, a fervent prayer life, and a fervent mind. And then lastly, and probably the most important, we need a fervent love. First Peter chapter one, as we wrap this all up. If you're still awake, say amen. All right, are you learning something? Say amen. All right, you're learning about fervency. All right, good. First Peter chapter one and verse number 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. With a pure heart fervently. You know, in some cultures, we throw around, we throw around this word love so that it begins to have no value. You hear sometimes people saying, I love you, brother. And then 10 minutes later, they're sticking you in the back with a knife. Uh, we say, I love pizza. And all of a sudden, love has no real meaning anymore. But there are some cultures, some cultures from Europe, where people do not use the word love unless they are very, very fervent and serious about it. We don't, if we have relatives in the past, grandmas and grandpas and great-grandpas, we sometimes find great gift difficulty in using that word love. I was raised with 11 kids, uh, 10 brothers and sisters, five boys and five girls. I could not tell my mom I loved her until three or four years after I got saved. And I don't know why, it just, it was in there, but I could never express it. I don't know that I ever, and shame on me, I don't know that I ever told my dad I loved him because I don't remember him ever telling me that he loved me. Uh, but it would have meant the world to me had he said it just once. And uh, when I tell people that I love them, I, I mean it. And you probably say, well, Forsberg's never told me I love you. Well, I'm, I'm growing on you, okay? And you're growing on me, I'll get there one day. But I hope you don't take this love relationship lightly. We need to have a fervency in our love and it needs to be especially neat between believers. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Don't love people just so you can see what you can get out of them. Love people and see what you can give to them. A love that's fervent and pure. And then in 1 Peter chapter four, just a couple pages from where you're at, we find the word one last time. <coughs> and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. 
and what we need to do, kids, those of you that are, how many of you kids are under 20? Micah, are you under 20? Okay, a couple of you under 20. You, you need to love the Lord with a fervency that you have towards grandma and grandpa. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by my grandchildren. You know, when my kids were little, they thought I was Superman. And then when they became teenagers, they realized I wasn't Superman. But when grandkids showed up, it's kind of like you're super Superman. It's, they're, not, they're not after you for what you can do. They just love Papa and Mama. They just love Grandma and Grandpa. And I think it has a lot to do with simply because we hand out candy and we have good ears. I don't know. But when we have fervent love towards one another and we have fervent love towards the Lord, it should be richer than the love that you have for Grandma and Grandpa. It should be at least that good, but multiplied by 10. We need to have fervent charity and a fervent love among ourselves. That's so, so important. I have gone to several funerals in my life, too many of them, I think. And about, about 10% of them bring me to tears. When I was younger, nothing, no funerals would bring me to tears unless I was bored to death. I never cared to go to them. But as I get older and I know people, sometimes the loss of their friendship and the loss of their presence uh, brings me to tears. And, and it's because I, I have a love for them. When my grandmother died, I never cried. When my mother died, I never cried. But when my, when my wife's dad died, I cried. And it, it made me realize that I had a relationship with him that was very special and very unique. And uh, I just had a loss for words. And uh, Lynn, of course, she, her love is always stronger. And she, uh, she cried in a way I've never heard a woman cry when she lost her dad. And she spoke more to that group that was at that funeral than any preaching or anything that was ever said because the whole congregation heard her wail because of the friendship she had with her dad. She had a fervent love or her dad that was real and genuine. And I got to get a piece of that. And that's the kind of love the Lord wants us to have for him. And that's the kind of love the Lord wants us to have for one another. Fervent spirit, fervent prayer life, fervent mind, and fervent love. Pray in conclusion and ask the Lord for fervency. Ask the Lord for Holy Spirit fullness. Ask the Lord for overflowing power as you witness and work and walk in his path this week, okay? Ask the zeal of the Lord. As the zeal of the Lord flows through us, let us be fervent about our love, about our prayers, about our Bible study, and about having the mind of Christ as we witness to others this week. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.